Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, July 14th, 2022. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. We got a very stacked show on tap for you fine folks here today. I did not intend for this episode to be as long as it was. I was hoping to air the interview and then do a quick convo with Mr. Marceau, breaking down Raw, some quick thoughts on NXT, and from Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, my Dynamite review, which I thought would be brief, ended up turning into like a 30-minute rant on the tag team title change, which I was happy for Keith Lee, I was happy for Swerve, great moment, Keith Lee had that great post-match promo after the show went off the air, all the best to him and his family, friends. It's not really about that, but more so my biggest problem with AEW's booking, so... The show really lives up to its name this week. You're going to catch that at the end of this episode. Uh, Feel free to fast forward if you would like. But we have a great show before then as well. Uh, Starting with my interview with WWE Hall of Famer The Undertaker. Now, I did air our first interview a few months ago here on the show. We spoke again a few weeks ago um, ahead of his A&E biography, WWE Legends uh, documentary that aired on A&E last Sunday. We had about a 15-minute chat. Um, it was supposed to be 10. I got more time with him. I ended up going like close to 15 minutes. And Taker was awesome. Taker was really, really cool talking all about the documentary, the Hall of Fame speech, Tim White, and so much more. Uh, so you're going to hear that in the beginning of today's show. And then my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down Raw from this week, the whole Vince McMahon update on that scandal investigation issue situation uh, coming up at the beginning of that convo, Raw talk, NXT talk, Dynamite talk, and a lot more in between as well. So, uh, new episodes of WrestleRant Radio are available every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Podcast. We're on Pandora Music and Amazon Music as well. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursdays. What I'm planning on doing, what I was going to be doing, was airing my interview with NXT superstar Cameron Grimes here on the show from before NXT Great American Bash. It was recorded two weeks ago, went up last week on the YouTube channel in video form, as did the Taker one, by the way. But then I found out I'll be talking to a whole bunch more people in the next couple of weeks, including Goldberg, who I actually talked to today, and that interview will very likely be up next week, uh, for the same reasons that I talked to Taker to promote the a biography. So, uh, we have a loaded lineup here in WrestleRant Radio, in addition to the usual Mr. Marceau and I's analysis, talking all the latest in the world of wrestling. Uh, as far as the interviews go, today is my chat with Taker. You can also check it out in its entirety on YouTube in video form. Uh, that went up on my channel Last week, um, that was on Friday, I think, so check that out. And it also went up an article form on Bleacher Report. The Goldberg interview was going up on Sunday, this coming Sunday, on Bleacher Report and in video form on YouTube at youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Uh, the Cameron Grimes interview, the Lacey Evans interview, both already up on the channel from earlier this month. 
Um, another interview or two heading into SummerSlam, maybe even three, definitely two. Those will both be up, unless plans change and they don't work out. Um, but those will be up before the end of the month here on WrestleRant Radio. And then I'm hoping to do some more interviews in person at SummerSlam itself um, in Nashville in two weeks. So a lot to look forward to here on the channel. Not just, this isn't the channel, on the show. And on the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant in the weeks to come. So I've talked enough. Let's get right into it. My exclusive interview with the Phenom, the Dead Man, WWE Hall of Famer, the man, the myth, the legend himself, The Undertaker. What's going on, guys? Graham Jesus and Matthews here with BleachReport.com. And today we're talking to one of the stars of Biography, WWE Legends. It's coming back Sunday, July 10th, 8 p.m. on A&E. One of the stars here today, the Phenom, the Dead Man, newly appointed WWE Hall of Famer, The Undertaker himself. Taker, what's going on, man? Great to speak with you again. How's it going? Well, I appreciate it, man. How you doing? Doing great. Very excited about this new season of biography that you're going to be a part of. And, you know, we've seen you a part of a lot of different stuff in the last couple of years. I know it was two years ago today, actually, that the last episode of The Last Ride aired on WWE Network. And since then, we've seen you on Broken Skull Sessions, WWE Evil on Peacock, this sort of stuff. But this is something a little bit different, taking a retrospective, you know, look back at your career. How is this going to be different from what you know and what you did for this project? Different than everything else we've seen you involved in in the last two years. Well, you get a really, you get a firsthand look of uh, not just the character and not just the guy in the ring, but you're going to, you're going to see, you know, you're going to get a real good look into Mark Calloway um, and and what I'm like now uh, away from the ring. Uh, So, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions. I think people that have had for years, they're going to get answered and, um, you know, I think they're, they're, they'll probably be shocked that there's really no, uh, you know, uh, horrifyingly dark <laughs> thing that happened in my life that <laughs> sent me down that uh, dark path as the, as the undertaker. But uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this and um, I, I hope I hope people enjoy it because it's uh, it does give you a lot of insight into, uh, you know, who I am as a person. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's cool about a show like this, especially after what we saw from the first season, was that especially for a show airing on a platform like A&E, it kind of gives viewers that haven't watched wrestling in a long time or have either never watched wrestling an all new perspective on your character. Because we all kind of know, like longtime fans know your history and whatnot. But for the newer fans, it might be something completely new and kind of seeing their reactions and stuff like that, I think is what really makes a show like this special. Um, and also on a show like this, too, obviously, we're going to be reliving a lot of your history. Do you ever go back and watch any of your old matches? Like, does it make you cringe sometimes to go back and watch your old stuff? Or are you comfortable watching it back now? <laughs> I don't go looking for it. I can promise <laughs> you that. Uh, but, uh, you know, as being around as long as I've been around, that I have a lot of friends who just, I don't know, they have way too much time on their hands. And they will send me, uh, you know, they'll send me clips from uh, my days in Memphis and, or uh, even in Dallas. And, uh, you know, I tell you who's really, really good about that is, is Godfather. He'll send mm-hmm. me stuff because we were, we, that's where we met. And we met in Tennessee in uh, good night, 88, 89, somewhere. We, we, that's where we became such great friends. And, uh, you know, he'll send me clips every once in a while. And I'll just look at, I'll get, oh, that's awful. Um, <laughs> someone just sent me, I, I don't, it wasn't him, but somebody just sent me my, uh, my very first interview I did for, for, uh, you know, the Memphis TV and oh, it was, it was awful. Maybe that's why I didn't talk for 30 years. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, we're going to be relevant to all this stuff. I know you talked a lot about that in your Hall of Fame speech as well. Godfather was obviously there along with a lot of your other coworkers and friends over the years. I was there in the building that night, man. It was a phenomenal evening, to say the least. No pun intended, obviously. And I, I think it's not a stretch to say one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Hall of Fame induction speech of all time in WWE history. Just a surreal setting there in the building. And to kind of talk a little bit about that, seeing old friends like Godfather kind of taking a trip down memory lane one last time for WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, it really was a good, good weekend. I, I was extremely nervous, obviously, to, to, to say the least, um, because I decided I was going to reinvent the wheel uh, w- w- with the speech. But, you know, they, they kind of built that hall of that, that hall of fame ceremony around me. And, um, you know, 30 years with one company, I mean, you know, you, when you, when I, when I sat down and started thinking about it, like, there's no way that I can thank everybody, uh, you know, and there's so much stuff. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you keep it interesting? Cause you know, they just, they'd already watched SmackDown and then it was, the night was late. So, um, it was, uh, like I said, it, it was, it was extremely nerve wracking. Um, because one, that too was the first time uh, that that my WWE audience was going to see Mark Calloway live. Now they'd seen interviews and they'd seen everything else, but I mean, this was me putting myself out there in a live audience. Uh, so I had to, you know, you know, there's just something that kind of clicks when you're in a you're in that atmosphere. So I'm having to fight, not dropping my voice down and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and turning into the, you know, the grim reaper. And so it, there was a lot of things going on, a lot of things that were, that were, uh, you know, going on in my head. Uh, but, um, I, I was really proud of, of how it turned out and, um, uh, and, and, and lucky that that rolled all the dice, <laughs> it wasn't craps. So, <laughs> No, it worked out. Like you said, the whole night was built around you. I was there in the building. I can attest to it. It was a long night. It was a long day. There was a lot of stuff going on in Mania weekend that day. I was up at like five o'clock in the morning that day. So to be up to 11 that night with the Hall of Fame, it was worth it, especially for your speech alone. Um, but with that being said, like, especially with the way that it was formatted, I thought it was so unique, the way that you had the microphone around your head, like a headset, which we right. had never seen before in WWE. Did you see any of the TED Talk memes coming out of that? I, I saw a lot of people posting that online as far as like the way <laughs> they really... formatted it. No, I hadn't seen too too much of it, but uh, yeah, I, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to stand at a podium. Yeah, because I knew the I knew the you know the speech was was long, right? So I just couldn't when I when I'm putting it all together, I said I can't stand at the podium and deliver all of this. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to become it, you know I'm I'm trying to think of every way. I don't want this to be flat. So and the way the you know, the way it was set out, the set up, you know, all the, the WWE talent was up on the stage. And there was obviously there were a couple of points where I addressed people, you know, specifically. So I had to be able to move around and, um, uh, you know, it was it was actually a lot of fun because that's the closest thing that I've I've had in the last couple of years of actually putting a match together mm-hmm. in that kind of aspect to go through and, and figure out the creative uh, you know, aspects of, of the speech. So, um, it was, uh, like I said, it was nerve wracking, but, uh, I was really, really, really pleased how it turned out. 
Yeah, I know we were talking before the Hall of Fame a couple of weeks before about the induction and the speech itself and how nervous you were. And in the moment, it didn't really come across at all in the promo or during the speech itself. It all came together really, really well, which is tough for someone such as yourself having a 30 year career, having to remember everything, everyone kind of going off the top of your head, so to speak. It really came together phenomenally well. When you walk away from that, obviously you're really pleased with the speech you just had, I'm sure. Is there anything like, oh man, I forgot to mention this. I forgot to mention this person. Or do you not really like think about that too much? Because it's like, all right, the night is great. I don't want to let these little things bog me down, so to speak. Yeah, no, I I delivered the speech. um, And yeah, I I think I I got everything out there that I wanted to say. Like I Mm -hmm. said, you know, there were... I got a, a little bit of blowback from not mentioning a couple of people, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about, it wasn't so much about, you know, I mean, good Lord. I mean, if I go through every angle, every opponent, um, you know, it, it was more about the three, you know, the, those three pillars. And I, mm-hmm. I, I referenced back, you know, when I'm talking about Sean, um, you know, that had a direct um, you know, that had a direct meaning into, you know, the never being content, mm-hmm. which was, you know, that's why I talk, uh, you know, so much about Sean and then Triple H, but, you know, but I did get, uh, you know, a little bit of a, well, I can't believe you didn't mention Mick Foley or, you know, I have talked about Mick Foley till I'm blue in the gills. I mean, I, I love Mick Foley. I think what we did will outlive the test of time, you know, as far as our angle, but then I could talk about edge and I could talk about, you know, there's so much I could have, you know, talked about. I hope, I hope really, I haven't talked to any of those guys. Mm -hmm. I hope they didn't get their feelings hurt. Um, But it wasn't about all that. Yeah. It was about my journey and the things that I've learned um, through those 30 plus years that I was trying to share that maybe would help people, um, in their lives. And that was the gist and and being able to thank the WWE universe. That was what it was all about. So um, if anybody was offended, uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like you said, you talk about the hell in the cell matches a lot, specifically the Mick Foley one. So that was like to be expected as far as it was kind of implied as far as mentioning him and you mentioned it there and whatnot, but I do want to mention this real quick because it is relevant. A couple of days ago, we lost Tim white. Obviously he was involved in that match as the referee, Talk a little bit about his passing and the legacy he leaves behind. Um, man, that one hit me hard. Um, I had dinner with Tim the night before. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Tim go go way back. And, you know, he was there when I got there. Um, and basically, you know, uh, pretty much the only stuff that they actually had him doing were my appearances. Mm -hmm. So he had flown to Dallas and, uh, was there. I got into Dallas Friday night, about 10 30 run into Tim. I was going to have dinner. We had dinner. And, uh, that was the last time that I saw him. I knew, you know, it was, it was crazy. I I, I can't, I I don't want to get too much into the details, but yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was a real um, that was really a real gut punch um, to, to find out you know what had happened. Um, but a great guy, what an awesome, awesome man Tim was. 
Um, I'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would have anything negative to say, um, about Tim White. And, uh, um, you know, I used to love just sitting down there and talking, uh, to Tim about Andre and, and, you know, in those days, it's just, uh, he, he loved he loved life and he loved this business and it was always a pleasure being uh you know being with him so yeah yeah no i've heard nothing but positive things about him. i never heard a bad word about him but specifically yeah. in the last couple of days since he passed uh, sorry yeah. for your loss i mean that's crazy i know he was very close with you as far as your appearances and stuff like that during mini weekend itself so yeah, sorry to hear that. And, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. as we wind down here, take your kind of going back to the speech here for a second, just the show itself. I know you ended your speech with the never say never. Obviously, that kind of implies a lot. It implies nothing. It can apply whatever you really you want. Um, right. Anything you can elaborate there as far as the decision to include that as part of your speech, to leave right. people thinking, to leave them where we go from here. Do we get it explained in biographies? Can you talk about that a little bit? Just the fact that you asked that question, mission accomplished. <laughs> You never say never. Yeah. I have no aspirations of ever stepping foot in the ring again, but in this, this is the WWE man. You, you, you just never say never. Yeah. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a great button. Um, you know, that, uh, that, that I could put on that and, and just, and for that very reason, just like, you know, he said, never say never, you know? Yeah. And that was also, uh, that was also a little bit for Vince's, uh, you know, his own, cause when he called me this year, the, the first time I was called, it was a few years ago to go into the, the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. I turned him down. I said, no, I'm not ready to go yet. I'm not done yet. And then he called me, you know, to ask me this year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And I think he was shocked. Right. Really? He was like, what? Really? I was like, yeah. I said, I'm ready to go. Oh. And I said, it's on one condition. What's that? You got to induct me. He was like, (laughs) damn you. (laughs) It was, there was, I think there was a bet. uh, I think there was a bet backstage between the people that really know us well enough. I think there was a bet to who was going to lose it first um, between the two of us. So it was, uh, it was kind of my, my real, he ribbed me so many times through the years, just there was nobody else that could do it really, but in my opinion, but it was also, I knew he doesn't, he doesn't like to, you know, show his emotion. And yeah. uh, so that was my way of saying, okay, here you go. Here you go, big fella. That's great. You guys showed, you, you shared a real emotional moment on the stage that night, which was great. And you guys have been through a lot in the last 30 years. And the, the, the five minutes standing ovation alone that night of the hall of fame is something I will never forget being a part of in person. Just like I said, simply surreal as it was talking to you here today, Taker about biographies, WWE legends, as I said, one more time, coming back July 10th on A and E going to be one of the subjects in one of those episodes. Very excited for that, but Taker, thanks so much for the time today. Great chat with you again and uh, best luck with everything going forward. Happy belated father's day as well. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, and uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Big thanks again to Taker for the time. Always a treat talking to him. And the fact that in literally less than three months, I was able to chat with The Undertaker not once but twice is simply surreal. He was one of those people, as I told him the first time, he was on my bucket list of interviews. I never thought I would get to talk to him because, you know, he's retired now. We had the Last Ride media run a couple of years ago. He really hasn't done a lot of interviews since then. So I thought my time had passed. And then I talked to him with the Hall of Fame. And then I talked to him again for this, literally within the span of like three months. So that was really cool. 
Um, again, that is also available right now on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash WrestleRant in its entirety in video form. And now we transition to my talk with Mr. Marceau, breaking down all the latest in the world of wrestling, from Vince to Raw to NXT to AEW. Though it was nice, I got to tell you, Mr. Marceau, to have a week where there was no pay-per-views. No pay-per-views last weekend, no pay-per-views this weekend. A nice uh, little refreshing change of pace with no pay-per-views to watch, which was great. Yeah, exactly. It was a nice, easy week for us on the uh, viewing scale. I agree, especially since we'll be in Nashville for SummerSlam in two weeks as well. So it's kind of nice to ease into it at the end of the month. And it's crazy to think it's coming up in just two weeks away. We will be there in Nashville. We're looking forward to it. I'm just, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm not feeling the SummerSlam hype right now. I was not a fan of Monday's Raw. Last week had the, had the excuse of a holiday show. We talked about it. And I thought it was a fine show. Honestly, I thought that episode was better than this one, even with the puking and all. I just thought this week's show, this didn't have the energy. It kind of felt like if you didn't watch the show, you missed absolutely nothing. I just feel like they're really phoning it in this year with SummerSlam, more this year than almost any other in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, the show on on Monday wasn't the greatest show. I I feel like they've gone away with that a lot this year, though. I feel like a lot of the the shows building up the the premium live events really haven't been anything must-see, but the shows itself have have been hit, so I guess we'll see with the two weeks left. I mean, they kind of need to heat some stuff up, but uh, they already have five matches announced, so I guess they might not have to do too much heating up. Yeah, thankfully they've already announced the majority of the card, which is good. Sometimes they wait till the last minute. AEW sometimes wait till the last minute, so I'm glad they're announcing a majority of the card now. I don't think this needs to be a loaded card with like 10 or 12 matches. I'm worried it will be, and I know it's one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year, Last year's show, I feel like, had an ample amount of matches, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was a it was a pretty long show because Roman and Cena went for a while. I remember it was on the West Coast and I was there, so I don't remember how exactly long it was, but it did end late from what I can recall. Um, I'm hoping they can kind of cut down on that this year. It's not going to be two nights, nor should it be, but we'll see what the show has in store in two weeks away. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting week in wrestling. I do want to bring this up before we get into Raw for Monday. Again, no pay-per-views to review, but we do got to mention this from last Friday. I think it was either last Friday or last Thursday. I'm pretty sure it was Friday. The latest news in the Vince McMahon saga broke, and uh, there's a lot of details to get into, but kind of some of the details of the NDAs were released, and that Vince McMahon, while not doing anything illegal, a lot of suspicious uh, creepy, bizarre, not even bizarre, maybe not bizarre for him, I guess, knowing him the way that we do and as much as we know about him, uh, know about him as we do from the last number of decades. But, um, you know, the NDA stuff and having, I guess, sexual affairs and, and coercing people that he used to work with many years ago into doing stuff they didn't want to do and, and whatever and uh, paying them. I think the former wrestler, um, who was not named nor should be named, but I think upwards of like $7 million to stay quiet on the whole situation, which is just, the whole thing was disgusting. And there was a lot of other situations like that that had come out that were reported on last week in the, I think the Wall Street Journal, if I'm not mistaken, but the whole story is there. A lot of NDAs coming out about Vince, people he paid to keep quiet on stuff that he did from the last 15 years, 15, 20 years. And then there were at least three different stories about this last week. So uh, not exactly a great look for Vince and not only people that work within the company, but people on the talent side as well. So it's not like it's people that were just on the corporate side and this happened to only someone recently. This has been going on for a very long time and it's a terrible look for him. It's a terrible look for the company and it really does put his future within WWE in question. So I'm curious what your reaction to the whole news was and where do you think we go with it from here as far as what the future holds for Vince McMahon and WWE? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely not good. I feel like at this point, the, the floodgates are open. I feel like more and more stuff's going to come out. I did hear a thing that Vince does hold majority of the shareholders. That's correct. So, like, realistically, he technically would have to vote himself out, it sounds like. So I don't really know, like, how that's going to work at the end. I thought since I thought they had majority on him, and that's, like, how they kind of get him out. But if he has majority vote, then, I mean, I guess we're just talking about allegations at the end of the day. It doesn't really do much. Maybe they can get him off, like, certain things. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if he has the most of shares, I don't think he'll really be going anywhere. But I guess we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, once the first one came out and now these other, I think it was, three or two or three more allegations i mean they're just going to keep coming out i mean i don't think this was a an isolated uh a thing with vince it seems like he he was enjoying himself a little too much uh back in the mid to to early 2000 so uh, if anything i i'd be more surprised if less doesn't come out so it you, is what it is do you think it's a situation too where this could affect sponsorships and that could affect the company's Status as far as that stuff goes, because that's really who they listen to. I mean, what we say online, what's being reported about, none of it, none of it is inaccurate as far as I can tell, as far as what's being reported. But he doesn't care about that sort of stuff. I mean, the report came out from Fightful from Sean Ross Sapp last week, I believe, when this whole story broke, that when he walked backstage following his appearance in the June 17th SmackDown, which was the same day the Vince initially, the Vince stuff initially broke, he said, fuck him. That's what he said walking through the curtain that night. And I can only imagine that's exactly what happened. That sounds exactly something like Vince would do. Uh, sounds exactly like something that Vince would do. I'm not surprised to hear that at all or read that. So um, with that mindset, thinking that he can't be taken down, I feel like it's going to take more than this in order for him to leave the company. I do think it is time for a change, not just creatively, but w- would you agree that this is probably the best time for Vince to bow out? I mean, I know he won't. I don't think he will. There's a good chance. There's a decent chance he might. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll believe it when I see it. But I feel like we have reached the point, not only coming out of these stories, but just the years of creative just being as abysmal as it has been, specifically in the main roster, that we've reached the point where at 76, 77 years old, it's time for Vince to go. Yeah, I mean, if, I think theoretically, creatively, and like I said, everything going on, I, I feel like it should be time to go. I mean, the only way I could see them actually doing it, if he actually gave up, they would have to. it would have to go right to Stephanie. They want to keep it on the McMahons. I mean, shareholders, they want the name to be out there. So, I mean, if they're going to do anything, I think it would go right to Stephanie. Seemingly, that's who's in charge now, I guess, with the other positions that he is giving up for now. But uh, that's the only way I could see shareholders kind of phasing Vince out if they're going to give it to Stephanie, someone else that's prominent in the spotlight. Yeah, I, I can't say I buy the whole thing that it had come out in one of those reports in one of those articles from last week that the idea internally is that without Vince at the helm, the company would crumble. I, I can't say I believe that. Do you? Um, I don't know if I would say the cr- company would crumble, but I feel like he is that face that the shareholders look forward to and probably the deals that they have with USA and NBC, Universal, and Fox. I mean, they look at it and they Vince McMahon, I mean, it's the name. It's the guy that, guy that basically ran the, the professional wrestling world since the 80s. So, I mean, I, I think it does hold weight. I don't think they would crumble, but I think they would want it to be on another McMahon if he did step away. So, I mean, I think that's why they'd, they'd probably put it on Steph and I. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if she takes the full time responsibilities of that role, or if it goes to a, or if it goes to a Nikon or someone like that. Because again, before Stephanie had resumed the role 
of CEO before she had taken on that new responsibility when the news about Vince initially broke a month ago. She was on hiatus from the company for a good three or four weeks. I, mean, I, I, I say good, but it was barely anything. I mean, it sounded like she wanted to spend more time with her family, and for whatever reason, she was stepping away from WWE, the corporate side, uh, you know, temporarily, if not permanently, who knows? We'll never know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if the Vince stuff gets more serious than this and it leads to him having to leave for an extended period of time, if not for good, if she will take that role permanently. I'm not sure if the company would be... I mean, I can't imagine it would be worse off with someone else in charge like a Stephanie and the McMahon family, creatively especially. I'm not sure if it can... It can it can always be worse. It can always be worse creatively on on the main roster. But this goes far beyond anything we see on the show. This is a just kind of a, a moral thing. And uh, with everything coming out, it's probably just not the best look for the company. I mean, WWE's name being in the in the news as much as it has been for stuff like this is just terrible. So I don't know if they're going to wait for it to calm down a little bit. That was kind of the feeling I was getting coming out of the initial report a month ago. It's like, all right, we haven't really seen or heard much development on this. I'm not sure what's going on there. And then three weeks later, we hear what happened last week. So didn't happen last week, but the news came about, you know, about stuff that happened within the last couple of years, 15 years or whatever. So we'll see. I'm curious to see where this goes. I do think WWE at this point, Overall, I agree with what you said. I do think overall, though, the company would be better off without Vince at the helm. At least not creatively and in, in maybe business-making-wise, but um, like decision-making-wise and stuff like that. But creatively specifically, which I know this isn't exactly what this is about, the company, I think, would be better off. Especially after a show like Monday's Raw we're, that we're going to get into right now. I was not a fan of the show. Um, I know it's one episode. A majority of the year, I have actually enjoyed Raw. But at least lately, without Cody Rhodes being on... No world champion Roman Reigns isn't around right now, and he hasn't been on Raw in a very long time. It's just kind of a show that's there uh, without any real stakes or any real sense of urgency. But Brock Lesnar was back on Monday. We had the Beast back on Monday night, making his first Raw appearance since right before WrestleMania, laying out Alpha Academy, being interrupted by Theory and Heyman. I thought this was by far the best part of the show, and obviously you and I both, big fans of Cowboy Brock, and I thought uh, this segment was a really good way to go off, you know, not go off, but uh, kick off the show, rather. Yeah, it was a great way to start the show. Unfortunately, the rest of the show kind of fell by the wayside. I mean, good to start the show hot, but when the rest of the show follows up with nothing, that's great. I mean, it's kind of like glass half full. It's like you start off with something great, and then you turn in, and then you get what you get. You're like, well, that's that, that's raw for you. So, but yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed Raw lately. I thought this was a good way to start the show. Unfortunately, the rest of the show kind of fell, like I said, by the wayside. It wasn't the greatest show of all time. Um, but I mean, if you're going to start a show, you got to start it hot, I guess. So it, it was the right approach. The execution of the rest of the show just just wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, like like you said, the execution of the segment itself, I thought was really well done, and the energy was there. Brock brings that energy and. You know, he's not on the show every week, so it feels special for that reason. And Brock is still an attraction, maybe not as much of an attraction as he once was, but the Cowboy Brock stuff really new, really breathed new life into his character. Um, I thought the attack was perfect. And I really like Theory bringing up the fact that Brock beat him and F5'd him off the top of the chamber back at Elimination Chamber. I thought that was a nice touch, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was the perfect, like, little back and forth with him and, and 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 Brock and then he brought Theory out to kind of get him involved he squashed Alpha Academy so it's not like Theory got his ass kicked I, I thought it was a perfect perfectly done uh, segment 
Yeah, and at this point, too, there's really not much more they can do. I don't think with Brock and Roman, we've seen everything from them in the last seven years, seven and a half years, almost ten years at this point, upwards of ten years. So, going into SummerSlam, keeping it short, sweet, and simple, I mean, they can drive home the fact it's the final match between them, which I don't think it will be. I'm sure we will see more matches between them at some point, whether it be within the next year or beyond that, who knows, but... Um, they could talk about it all they want as far as selling tickets and selling pay-per-view buys, Peacock subscriptions. Um, the build, there's really not much more they can do, and I thought the Heyman stuff on SmackDown was really good. But, um, yeah, we'll see what else they have in store for the build for this match because I'm not really sure what more they can do beyond what we saw here, what we saw on SmackDown, aside from maybe one or two more interactions face-to-face before the pay-per-view in two weeks. Um, like you said, the show kind of fell off from there, but we did have a very good match, I thought, between Finn Balor and Rey Mysterio. I do think they should have made a bigger deal about this because it was the first ever one-on-one encounter between these two on the main roster. Just in general, I think, actually. It was good. Balor won clean. I can't say I care too much about the whole Judgment Day trying to recruit Dominic thing. I know Rhea's out right now. She was seen wearing a heart monitor last week. Hopefully she's okay and we'll be back soon. But without her and the whole Edge, Finn Balor replacement thing... You texted me on Monday or Tuesday. It really feels like Judgment Day has fallen off and is far from as important as they were even two months ago. Oh, my God. The whole Judgment Day thing. Once they got rid of Edge, I think it was one of those things we both, me and you specifically, I think a lot of people as well, like, why would they do that? Mm-hmm. But like most things in wrestling, you're like, oh, why would they do that? You know, it's, it's about the follow-up. We always say that. Yep. Like, especially after WrestleMania, it's like, oh, someone won, but you got to see what's going on next. So, like, okay, you know. Edges out, out. We'll see what happens next. Then they're like not on the show the next week. Then Rhea gets hurt. Then they're not really on the show again. Then they have these little backstage segments with Mysterios. Doesn't really go anywhere. I thought this was a good match, but I just the follow up has been terrible. The whole recruiting Dominic realistically should be recruited back down to NXT 2.0. Love him, mean it. He just isn't ready. You know, it just I understand he wants to be with his dad, but he's just not ready for national TV. He's just not. And him being in Judgment Day, who who really could give two shots? Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I don't think he's going to join. Um, we've mentioned it before. You mentioned it right there. He should be back in NXT. He's just not. He's just not where he should be. And I saw a lot of other people mentioning this on Twitter and. You know, normally I don't agree with these sort of takes, but they're right. I mean, he's for a kid that's been on the main roster now for almost two years, he was never going to improve. I mean, I guess I guess he could. I mean, there have been people that come from other walks of life, other sports, or people that just don't have much wrestling experience and get very good very quickly, and they're able to adapt to the main roster style without spending too much time in NXT. I mean, look at Braun Strowman, for example. I mean, not that Dominic... You know, him and Dominic are two very different people, but Braun had very little experience in the ring prior to being called up in 2015. Not that he was having great matches off the bat. A majority of them weren't very good. Um, but by 2017, the guy was very good. He was very over, and he was, again, not the perfect pro wrestler, but he was very polished and much more far along in his development than um, Dominic is right now. So, And Dominic's had far more matches in the main roster than Braun did at that point, so... I don't know. I mean, I guess they're trying to make it work with the whole Ray and Dominic tag team thing. That kind of ran its course. I don't want to see Dominic turn on Ray. You know, I know that was the idea at one point. I just think Dominic as a heel would flop miserably. So I don't really know where they go with this. And, you know, I know people's initial issue with the Judgment Day was that Edge was boring in that role. 
I mean, that's completely subjective, and I think that's fine if people think that. But my biggest issue is that the whole Finn Balor thing was so fucking random. And what did we say a month ago, dude? Finn Balor, in their eyes, is not a priority. They do not care about Finn Balor. And I don't think whether he's a face or a heel or a tweener, I, I just don't think they're going to ever really push. I mean, I'm glad he won here. That was a needed win, but... I don't think they're ever really going to push him at a meaningful level again. I feel like they got it out of the way with the Universal Championship win, you know, six years ago, and they haven't bothered to push him since. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he and Owens, I feel like, are in the same territory. I just feel like they're never going to get pushed beyond a certain level. And people thought, oh, he's going to be a part of this group. He's going to be pushed like, like Edge was. Like, no, he's not. He's just not. And... He's and these people think Edge has been boring in the group. What do you think Finn's been? I feel like he's been just like a vanilla midget. No one cares. I mean, I, I like Finn and I like Owens. I think Owens has done better for himself, but I just feel like they're both kind of like that mid tier for life in WWE right now. And I like Finn, but the whole Judgment Day stuff has just not been my not been my my stuff. I just I, I, I I'm over it at this point. Would you say? I, I texted this the other day. I don't think they're buried yet. They're not. We, the people use that term very loosely and whatever. I don't think you would say the same. But as far as they're they're not buried. But do you think they can improve? Do you think they can turn this thing around? I think they can if Rhea comes back soon. And they don't even need Rhea. I think she's a huge help. Um, Edge is. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. The vignettes are clearly for Edge. Obviously, the the vignettes are for Edge that have been airing on Raw since Money in the Bank. We found that out on Monday. They haven't. They didn't say Edge, but it was pretty obvious it was Edge. Why you would need vignettes for some guy coming back after a month? I don't know. They're cool vignettes, but I mean, I wish they would put that same amount of effort in other people on the roster and making them feel cool and special. But is there? Can, can you redeem the Judgment Day group, or do you think it's damaged goods at this point, as we like to say? Uh, honestly, for me, it's damaged goods at this point. I just, I just don't like. I think if it was Edge, I feel like I would be more. I think they would do be doing better stuff. But since Finn's at the helm, I just don't think they're going to put as much into it. And I just, I just don't think that meshes well. I just don't see it getting above a certain level. I mean, I feel like Edge is going to come back, beat him, and then we'll move on. They'll just disband, and we won't see him again. We'll see him on main event. There he is. So basically, at that point, I might as well just disband them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bianca Belair defending the Raw Women's Championship Money in the Bank rematch on Monday's Raw against Carmella. Uh, another fine match. They worked well together. Carmella, you know, it was competitive. She looked fine in defeat here. And she didn't even lose. She actually won by countout after Becky Lynch distracted Bianca from ringside. So the match was fine. I didn't wasn't exactly clamoring for a rematch. And now it looks like we're getting yet another fucking rematch between these two. Um, likely on Raw. I don't think they would do it at SummerSlam. Could they do a triple threat at SummerSlam? Yeah, but they already... I mean, first of all, I do not want to see Carmella in the title picture. I like Carmella. I think she's improved a lot. She's had her time. She was never... The whole point of putting Carmella in the title picture, when they did, and my whole defense of her being in that spot of the pay-per-view, was that it wasn't meant to be anything more than a filler feud. At this point, it's more than a filler feud if they're still doing stuff on TV together. So, Bianca's got to beat her decisively, move on. She already beat her decisively at the pay-per-view. I'm not sure why this is still going on. Um, a triple threat would be stupid. I know Carmella was technically involved in the Bianca-Becky storyline at SummerSlam last year when Carmella answered the open challenge and the Becky came out instead. I, I get that, but it really should be Bianca and Becky one-on-one. And I know even that match doesn't excite a lot of people. We've seen it several times. They just did it at WrestleMania. But 
you know, we talked about it a week or two ago. They haven't done it one-on-one since WrestleMania, and there's a story worth telling there with it being the one-year mark of when Becky came back and beat Bianca. So I don't know if they would do a double turn or something else or just have Bianca beat her and then move on. I'd be fine with that, but that feels like the biggest... With Rhea Ripley out right now, it feels like Becky and Bianca is the biggest match they can do for that championship at SummerSlam, and as long as we're headed in that direction without Carmella or anyone else involved, I'm content, because it looks like Rhea Ripley won't be back anytime soon. Yeah, I think at this point, it, it all roads lead to Becky and Bianca, which I think it should. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the plans they had with, with, with Rhea was, but I don't know. I just didn't, I just, I don't know. I don't think they're going to take the belt up Bianca to put on Rhea. So at SummerSlam, it should be Becca and Bianca again. Um, I think that's the direction we're going in. I The Carmella stuff, I don't know if it's just like they're trying to, to, not really do a lot of Becky and Bianca leading it just to SummerSlam. So she's kind of, they're using Carmella as someone that Bianca can beat and not really get her hands on Becky. I'm not totally sure, but I mean, the match is fine, but just like, we're, like you said, we're going to get another rematch and I'm not really looking forward to it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it is what it is at this point. I mean, they'll probably get some time out of it on Raw, but it just screams waste of time because the outcome is predictable. Carmella shouldn't win anyway. The matches aren't amazing. They're good. They're not amazing, though, or, or even great. Um, it's just time to move past this and really start to fully focus on Bianca and Becky one-on-one because there's only two Raws left until the pay-per-view. It's next Monday, the Monday after that, and that's it. So they really got to put this in a you know full high gear heading into the pay-per-view in less than two weeks or just over two weeks at this point. Um, I mentioned to you last week when Logan Paul signed with WWE. You broke that news to me two weeks ago. I mentioned the possibility last week of Logan Paul and AJ Styles against Miz and Ciampa. And they kind of teased that on Monday, but then Logan Paul, I think, went on Twitter, or they even aired the video on Raw, I don't remember. He said he wants Miz one-on-one. So I'm hoping that's the case. In that case, I don't know what you do with AJ Styles. I, I still feel like putting AJ in the storyline is a waste of him. Um, and they're desperately probably trying to get Logan Paul cheered. Whether that was his idea or not, I don't think it's going to work. Um, so any further thoughts on the developments with Logan Paul, Miz, Styles, and Ciampa? Yeah, I mean, they like you said, they kind of teased it with like the whole someone allying of of, of Miz and Ciampa in like a, a, a further degree. But I, I would rather just do one on one Miz and, and and Logan Paul. I mean, I don't want Ciampa in there. He's really meant nothing, and AJ's better than that. So I would just do one on one. We also had Alexa Bliss and Asuka beating the duo of Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. You mentioned me. You mentioned to me over text on I think Fourth of July. The Alexa Bliss stuff ain't working. She's boring, and. uh yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. It's not exactly interesting right now. I I tweeted that day because she did an interview with Ryan Satin that dropped that Monday saying that she doesn't know exactly where it's going. She feels like this is really the closest to herself as we've seen on TV, which I actually like because we haven't really seen her as herself yet. She's been a babyface before, but not quite like this. Um, I, it was obviously long overdue to move past the supernatural stuff, which they completely ruined by the end there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking Alexa Bliss, but it feels like they really don't know what to do with her. And I had pitched a, you know, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch feud, but it clear, it, it's pretty clear they're not going in that direction. So I want to get your, you know, elaboration and what you texted me last week about Alexa Bliss not being the most exciting right now. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like she's, she's on TV. I mean, she's good. She's a former champion. So she's got some, some credentials. She's, She's been winning, so that obviously helps as well. I mean, I feel like she's won a lot since she's got back, but just the character, the music, like, I don't know. I just think what they had before was fine. I, I, I don't really know what they, they think 
why they needed to do that. I mean, if they're not going to do the supernatural stuff, they should have just went back to the five feet of Ferrari stuff. I mean, it's not like it was broken. Just go back to that. We haven't seen it in a while. Um, that's what I would have done. doesn't seem like that's the direction they're going in. I, I, once they changed their music on her, I, I was completely out on it. She had great music. I don't know why they changed that. And her character now, like you said, she didn't hear what I am boring. Well, yeah. I mean, she's not lying. I mean, <laughs> it's not at all. I, well, I like Alexa Bliss too. Like, I'm an Alexa Bliss fan, but I mean, what they're doing with her, I would say, is just, it seems like they're like spinning their wheels. Like I said, she's winning, so that's good. It's not like she came back and is a loser, but she has zero direction and her character is not interesting at all. Yeah, and it's it's weird too because I agree with the theme song part. I mean, I guess from what I understand, I think her husband helped her make her current themes. That's probably why they did that and why she wanted to do it, which is probably why she's not upset with the music being changed. Um, I mean, that song is more fitting of a heel, but I think it's so synonymous with Alexa Bliss, they probably should have kept it. I agree. But it also is a question of what do you do with Alexa Bliss? I had mentioned the Becky Lynch feud because I feel like that's the one feud that we either A, haven't seen in a while... And B, she's the only real person of interest I could see her feuding with that we haven't seen before. Like, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Ash, don't even get me started. No one cares. We've seen that a million times. I'm all set. Her and Dewdrop, Dewdrop really means nothing. Alexa Bliss and Tamina, no thanks. Um, Sonya, she already beat her twice when she came back in the spring. I think Sonya's on SmackDown now anyway. That was kind of Sonya's send-off from Raw. Who else does Raw even have? Rhea Ripley? Uh, she's not out, or she's not, you know, active right now. She got hurt. Her and Asuka, maybe, if they were to turn one of them, maybe they could turn Alexa Bliss heel. I don't know. I just feel like there's not a lot of depth in that Raw Women's division right now. I feel like it was the opposite a couple weeks ago, but SmackDown took Sonya, they took Lacey Evans, and now Liv Morgan's on that show, too. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think... I, I mean, I pitched it. I mean, at this point, it doesn't seem like it's happened. I feel like the whole tag team division's dead at this point, but, I mean, realistically, I would have just put her and Raquel together. If they still had a tag team division, put them together for a little bit. They can hold the belts, keep them somewhat on TV, eventually do a split. You have Raquel go heel because she's a thousand times better as a heel. And then you get Alexa Bliss and Raquel. Perfect. Yeah, it's a good size dynamic. I forgot you. I forgot that you pitched that a few months ago. but And, yeah, and nothing. Obviously, none of that happens. So. Well, yeah, that was also before the uh, tag titles were pretty much declared dead when uh, Sasha and Naomi walked down. There's been literally no update on that on TV in the last two months. I, I, I'm just waiting for the memorial service to be posted online. I can't lie. I'm, I'm assuming it's inevitable. Um, also on Raw, the Usos and Omos beat Truth and the Prophets. Six-man tag team action. This was whatever. Omos pinning Dawkins. That was just so silly, though. If you're building to win a Prophets-Usos rematch, which was announced last week on Twitter before SmackDown, it's official for that show. Another rematch. I get it. They work well together, and there was a reason to do a rematch. I'm actually fine with it. But... Listen, Dawkins was just on Corey Graves' show late last week talking about how he was pissed that even before Money in the Bank, even before Ford had that great showing, but, you know, Dawkins did too, but he was telling Corey Graves about how he was so mad that people were kind of overlooking him, and he went in there at Money in the Bank more motivated than ever before and had a, his the best match of his entire life, and Dawkins himself was a big part of why that match was great. Dawkins was also in there looking better than he ever has before. So th- this doesn't exactly help the whole conversation that when these to break up the profits that is Dawkins is doomed I think there is potential there to do more with him uh, maybe not quite the same amount of potential as Montez Ford but when you have him out there losing to Omos for no reason that's not exactly doing him any favors yeah I mean I get the point of him I obviously truce in the match he probably should have lost 
But, I mean, Omos has been so dominant that I don't think, like, losing to him is, like, a huge deal. But I understand what you're saying as well. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we all think the same. If Like, once they break up, he's screwed. I don't think that's totally true. I just feel like I, I could, it just screams, like like you said. We said, I think we said it last week. He screams like Tucker and the whole Otis and Tucker. Like, Ford's, like, the guy. He'll break off, do something good. They'll push him. And they'll do nothing with Dawkins. I think Dawkins is way better than Tucker ever was. But uh, I just feel like there's plenty of other single guys that they aren't doing anything with. Why would they focus on Dawkins on his own? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he's talented enough. He deserves a shot. I don't even think they will afford him that opportunity is the problem. Um, They'll probably just immediately write him off as a jobber or as as an enhancement talent. I think he deserves a chance, especially at a point where they have no stars. Maybe he gets decently over. Who knows? But to not even try, I think, would be foolish. Um, we get to the main event, Bobby Lashley and Riddle, Theory and Rollins, and tag team action. I thought it was a good match. Lashley and Riddle worked well as partners. They had good chemistry, completely forgetting the fact that Bobby was beating the crap out of this guy week after week, about a year and a half ago on Raw, when Lashley was not WWE champion, but US champion. And even when Lashley was WWE champion, they had you know a couple of matches, and Lashley beat him every single time. So putting the fact that they have history from about a year and a half ago that they completely ignored here, this was a good match. Theory looking good. The real talking point coming out of this match, though, Dolph Ziggler is back. Dolph Ziggler returned, distracted Theory, and then attacked Theory following the match. So this wasn't a case of him maybe teasing tension with Theory and Rollins or going after Rollins or saying that he wants the United States Championship. I was thinking that might be the case. Maybe he wants to enter the U.S. title picture. No, he specifically singled out Theory and laid him out at the end of this show in 2022. Listen, I like Dolph. The guy's amazingly talented. I thought the NXT stuff that he did, they had him do, was perfect. I thought that was the greatest role for him. They cut it short way too quickly. He disappeared from TV for months, from NXT, Raw, SmackDown, main event, everything. He was gone for months. Came back with Bobby, rude. Um, Went after Omos, randomly. They teased something there, went nowhere. He was in a battle royal on Raw two or three weeks ago. In that last chance money the bank qualifier, lost that. He was in there till the very end, too, close to the end. Lost that. They try to paint this out to be like a big return on Raw, even though we just saw him two weeks ago. And then he lays out theory. Could you first of all, your thoughts on the match, but more importantly, Dolph Ziggler is back. What the hell's going on here? The match stuff was great. I thought it was good. Um, I thought all four guys worked well together. I thought it was a great match. I'm gonna say I honestly I don't hate it. I mean Ziggler coming back. I saw a report that they want him working with Theory and like on the house shows and teaching him as much as he knows. I mean, everyone's talked about how great of a wrestler Dolph Ziggler is. I mean, the character itself has been stale as bread since 2011. But, I mean, someone to work with Theory and kind of get him up to speed on some stuff that he might not know. I mean, I think Ziggler is the perfect person. So, I, I actually don't totally hate it. Do you think it's a weird time for it? My biggest concern is... Not the fact that they're doing it. If they're you, if they're doing this to elevate theory, I think that's fine. Um, I have no issue with that. Obviously, Ziggler's credible. He's a great wrestler. They'll have good matches, I'm sure. Um, I think Ziggler's always been a better heel, but you know that that's fine. He hasn't been a babyface in a very long time, and honestly, to this day, people still go nuts for Dolph Ziggler. And NXT, he got great reactions. Anytime he returns to the Raw for the millionth time, he gets great reactions. People still know and like Dolph Ziggler. So that doesn't bother me. I think what really concerned me was the fact, the timing of it all. Theory is currently challenging and feuding Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. That match has been made official for SummerSlam. He was also opening Raw, teasing a cash-in on Brock or Roman for the Undisputed title. 
So where does Ziggler fall into this, you think? I mean, the, the pay-per-view's in two weeks, so it's not like it's a quick TV feud before the pay-per-view because the pay-per-view's in two weeks. So why now? Why why not until after SummerSlam when he fails to regain the U.S. Championship or he cashes in successfully, unsuccessfully, whatever, which I don't think they should do anyway. Um, I, I just feel like the timing for this was really bizarre. Yeah, I think the timing is weird. I think that's the one thing. I guess that's the one negative took because it really was like no direction. I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like realistically, if if the, ma- the the United States title match wasn't already booked, I feel like you could do like Theory and Ziggler for the briefcase at, at SummerSlam. Um, I mean, I don't think, like you said, it's not like you attacked Bobby too, so it's not like you just insert him in the U.S. title picture. I don't know. Maybe they just, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, like I said, I think the, the timing itself was interesting. Like I said, maybe... Maybe, like I said, just over the next couple of weeks and how shows he'll face Ziggler. They'll do a match on Raw coming up. He'll beat Ziggler and then move on. I, I really don't know. I know they look at Roman and Brock as the big marquee match for SummerSlam. I get why they're doing it. I don't like the fact that they're doing it because we've seen it so often and it's just run its course. It ran its course even when they did it this past year. I mean, but they did it anyway. Fresh dynamic. It worked. I like the feud. The, the matches weren't great. I thought the first match was actually better than the second match of Mania, but... You know, that's neither here nor there at this point. I think in retrospect, it, I think it would have been better to put Bobby in the SummerSlam main event. Again, on paper, not as sexy of a match as Brock and Roman, I get it, to the casuals. But Roman and Brock, I feel like, would have been a great SummerSlam main event. Brock, or you could have teased Bobby becoming a dual champion. And then you could have done Theory and Ziggler on the undercard, maybe as the opener. Ziggler has opened several SummerSlams with Rey Mysterio, The Miz, Seth Rollins, among other people, and has had great matches every single time. So he's had a lot of good SummerSlam showings, which is nice. Um, that being said, though, I feel like him and Theory would have been a good match, and, and maybe they'll make it a triple threat, which they definitely should not. I just feel like there's no reason to continue Lashley in Theory if Theory will and should lose again to Lashley. I feel like it would have been easier to just move on from that and have Theory beat Ziggler at the pay-per-view instead. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like we'll see more money. Maybe they will move on from it. I really don't know. I I, I don't know what direction they're going. Maybe they could do Lashley and, and Theory on Raw, and you have Ziggler cost them that. So then you move on from that. You have him and Ziggler at, at SummerSlam, and you do something else with Bobby. I don't know. I think Bobby, I agree. I think Bobby Roman obviously is fresher, and that's the better match. But if Bobby's just going to lose the Roman, I feel like maybe that's why they didn't do it because they don't want Bobby to lose the Roman. Maybe. Um, yeah, I or mean, like, they just... it's like the champion. Basically, is the main champion on Raw right yeah. now. So maybe they don't want him losing. So maybe they'll do something else with him. I mean, that's true. I don't know. Like maybe, like I said, maybe you do them on Monday and Ziggler cost theory again. So like he didn't actually lose the Bobby. Like he lost the Bobby, but like wasn't the reason. And then you do them two at SummerSlam. Then the thing is, then I really don't know what you do with Bobby at, at, at uh, SummerSlam. Maybe put Rollins and Riddle in the match with him. I really don't know. So it, it is, like I said, I think the biggest takeaway was I think it's good for his development for Theory, but the way that they put it, it kind of puts a loop into the SummerSlam plans because it wouldn't make really much sense to kick his ass now and then you still still just randomly do Bob or not randomly, but then you do Bobby and Theory, and Theory's not going to beat him. Yeah, it just feels weird. I would have done it after SummerSlam or saved it till then. or uh, I don't know. It seems like Rollins and Riddle's pretty much locked in for SummerSlam, as it should be. I think that's a great attraction for that show. It should be a great match. Uh, both guys are over. Two top stars on Raw. Makes perfect sense. 
Uh, the Lashley theory stuff, I I'm, I was fine with it up until Ziggler came back. I'm like, all right, this doesn't make much sense. And I would love to say, oh, all right, let's wait till Raw, see what they come up with. They very rarely actually explain this shit, which is why I say I don't have any faith they'll actually do this properly. But we'll see. Um, I do think you can use the reason that Dolph, you know, 10 years ago, it was almost exactly 10 years ago, dude. I think 10 years ago tomorrow, actually, believe this, if you, if you can get this. Um, that he won the men's Money in the Bank briefcase, did Ziggler, and he cashed in in 2013 and won the world title, obviously. Uh, the rest is history. But yeah, it was a decade ago that he was in theory spot, won the briefcase, and was one of the better Mr. Mr. Money in the Bank's WWE ever had. So maybe he's coming back out of jealousy and feeling that theory, the same thing can happen to him. I mean, I feel like there's a couple different ways you can go with it. Yeah, I do. I, I Like I said, I just think the timing itself is weird, so you really don't know what the next like rock the fall is going to be. Yeah. And my only issue with it, like I said, I said this earlier with the way Ziggler has been booked. And I said this on Twitter, it's impossible for me. I'll specify for me to care about Dolph Ziggler. The NXT stuff was perfect because he was a bigger fish in a smaller pond. So he came across like a bigger deal on the main roster. I mean, the guy has been established as a nobody for so long. He's been in the tag team division with Bobby Root for so long. I mean, he's gotten this random title shot. As someone put up a graphic the other day, he's gotten random WWE title shots in 2016, 2018, 2019, 2020. It's like, all right, what are we doing here with Dolph Ziggler? Um, he always makes his opponents look good. It's not a Dolph Ziggler problem. It's how they book him is always the issue. It's very rarely the performers themselves. Ziggler's very good. It's how they book him is the issue. Um, it's impossible for me to care until I see more from this. But the fact of the matter is, as going back to what I said earlier, uh, the majority of the casual audience, the people that go to these shows, know and like Dolph Ziggler because he's been around for so long. You know, and uh, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out starting on Monday's Raw. But I will ask you this on that same note, kind of unrelated, but a little bit similar. Uh, Robert Roode, where do we go from here with him? I mean, I'm sure they're not thinking about that. I'm sure they don't care. Um, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before he either gets let go or is put on main event or whatever, if not both, unfortunately. Do you see any hope of a Robert Roode push on Raw at this point? The man's mid-40s. He's still great, in my opinion. I tweeted this a few weeks ago. The match with Braun Breaker in NXT earlier this year, glorious entrance and all, was perfect. Um, and I thought he had a great showing that night, but they've done nothing with him in the last couple of years. I don't have any hope for him on his own, but I feel like at a time where they need more stars, they can utilize him on his own over on SmackDown. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see it happen. I feel like he's a better chance of being future endeavor. Yeah, I hate to say it. I hate to see it, but uh, you know, I'll I'll give it some time. He he might he, he was never acknowledged as far as where he was on Monday. I feel like the team might be over. I'm not even saying the team should stay together because again, they've won the tag titles multiple times. They've run their course. It's time to move on. But you know, in, in a perfect world, I'd like to see him get a real shot on his own. But it's been so long since he got called up. Almost five years. Five years this summer. I just don't have any. Any real hopes that they'll utilize him on his own in any meaningful manner. Um, and that was Raw in a nutshell. Quickly, before we get to Dynamite, what were your thoughts on the whole Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez thing from NXT? Uh, it was kind of an uneventful show that NXT was fine this week, but the big talking point was that in the main event, Roxanne Perez, who was attacked at the start of the show, uh, was supposed to contend for the NXT Women's Championship. We said last week that she would not win. She didn't. Um, but despite being attacked, she went for the title anyway, like a moron, instead of waiting a week. Um, she fought injured and was betrayed by her best friend, seemingly Cora Jade. And, uh, it, it seemed inevitable. It seemed like this was the direction they were going in. And I was never really high on it. Cause I feel like Cora Jade's just, just a natural baby face. The, the fact of the matter is the fact that 
you know, she was already being turned on by the audience, and that sounds bizarre, so let me reword that. The crowd was already starting to turn on her with the booze. So I get why they would want to turn her heel. I kind of understand that. My biggest issue with the whole thing was how just rushed it was. It was so beyond rushed. They literally won the tag team titles a week ago, dude. And that division is dead at this point. They only had two or three teams to begin with, but at this point, when you have the champions betray each other, which we never really see aside from Rollins and Ambrose a couple of years ago, that that's not good news. So this was such a convoluted mess. Um, I don't even mind the idea of a Jade heel turn, uh, heel turn and a feud with Roxanne Perez, but the way they executed this, it, it felt like I went from the beginning of a book to chapter 24 at the end and missed everything else in between. Yeah, I mean, this. So I don't think. So I think it was rushed just the way that they had set up. I think easily what they could have done is last week you had them, you would have them lose. Exactly. So this is what they should have realistically done. They should have had them lose. And like, oh yeah, I mean, it sucks that we lost, but you know what? Now I have this opportunity. Then Jade's pissed because obviously she doesn't give a fuck that they lost because she's going for another belt. And then you have a turn on her. But them winning the belts and then having a turn on them just made no sense. Like, no, why it made did no she sense, turn on yeah. them? Like, why would she turn on them if they're champion? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, why? Like, obviously she'd be like, oh, she thought she was better than tag team champions and so on for the main one. But like, that's just dumb. She should have said, realistically, should have lost, and then it would have been like. You didn't care that we lost because you immediately like went for your other title shot and your your whatever your self all about yourself yada 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 insert whatever you're gonna put in but having them win and then just to have her turn on her the week later made no sense because there's really no motive. Yeah, there, there's one of two ways they could have done it. Like you mentioned, they lose the match last week, and you either have her turn on Roxanne Perez there because it's like all right. I don't know, maybe maybe they lose there, and then she thinks she's better than the tag title, so she uses her title shot on the main title instead. She betrays her on this show. So either you have her turn heel... I mean, even then, I still feel like it was rushed. They've only been friends on TV for about a month or two, but whatever. But that would be a better way of doing it. Or um, you don't do any of that and have her go for the championship, and you don't have them win the tag titles, or... No, there was something else I was thinking of. Another way you could have done it. It was that way, and then... What was I thinking of? I don't know. But really, any other way that they could have done it than what we got on Monday. The fact that they're champions makes absolutely no sense. Like you said, they won the tag team titles. They got their moment. Why would she have any... I mean, I understand why she would be upset, because like you said, she she feels like Roxanne's the new toy and whatever. I don't know. She said that she brought her in. She The, the skateboard thing, by the way, was just really embarrassing. That botch was terrible. I, I, I felt bad for her after that, too. I mean that's something you see on AEW every week. I mean, hate to see it on the hate to see it on NXT. I mean, she made the best out of it, but yeah, it was it was pretty tough to watch. That was pretty tough, but um, yeah, I just it just doesn't make any sense, dude. I really felt like they should have either had them drop the tag team titles or I don't know. I feel like there were at least three or four different ways you could have done it than what we got on Tuesday. Because I feel like with what we got. Where, where do you even go from here? Do you take the tag team titles off of them, or do you think Roxanne defends them on her own, like when Rollins lost them to AOP a few years ago and Ambrose turned on him? I just feel like... I don't I don't know. I just feel like they completely rushed this when they could have given this a lot more time to, to breathe and let it develop and get let it be something that people were excited about. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it just comes back to that they both... Should, they should have... Realistically, they should have just had... They should have lost, and Roxanne should have been the one that lost the match. She's like, obviously, they're both mad, but she's like, oh, well, I have another title shot next week. 
she's seemingly going to win. And Cora's like, you know what? Fuck you. You're selfish and you didn't care about our tag team because you're all about yourself. That's all they had to do. That would have been perfect. But then having them win the belts and just to turn on her, to, like you said, because like she's the new toy in town or she's selfish and worried about the other chick. I, just, I just don't get it. So, I mean, I think theoretically they probably have, since Roxanne's the baby face, you'd have her defend both belts by herself and she'll lose them. But at this point, but realistically, they should have never won them to begin with. And then that could have been like the catalyst to turn because she could have said she was selfish. She won the belts, and that wasn't good enough for her. She had to go for the main title, too. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they could have just... like a rocket scientist. Yeah, dude, I mean, they could have even not had them challenge for the tag team titles at all. They really could have just done... Listen, like, she chose the main title. I and mean, she she did choose the main title to contend for, but they went for the tag titles, and Cora Jade was happy with what she got. I mean, I'm sure they'll try to explain it next week, but... They just won the tag team titles a week ago was the worst part. Like, they literally just won it a week ago. They didn't wait a month to do this match. I don't know. Why not build up the Mandy Rose, Roxanne Perez thing? They rushed into that way too quickly. And now it's making me think it's backing up the report from Meltzer that they're building the Mandy Rose, dropping that championship to Nikita Lyons, as we mentioned last week. I mean, that just sounds terrible. Can't wait. That sounds abysmal. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I'm, when I saw that they're doing a battle royal next week to find out a new contender, I'm like, 100% she's going to win it, and she'll win the belt. Oh, was that, oh, that was an, I missed that. Was that announced? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, next week it's going to be like a 20-woman battle royal, I think. Oh, get ready for the Nikita Lions title one because it's probably happening. I It sounded like in the report from Meltzer that they're not going to do it anytime soon. They'll build up to it. I mean, first of all, she's not ready. But second of all, um, I... That, that goes against what he reported, which doesn't really mean anything. You take that shit with a grain of salt, but it, it's more so the fact that, like, with Mandy Rose, if you're going to wait to take her, to have the championship taken off of her, how much longer can wait? She, she's been champion since October, dude. I mean, how much longer is she going to be champion for? There really isn't many more, there aren't many more women for her to face in that division. I was thinking they might do her and Io Shirai. You said Alba Fire, you said Kaylee Ray a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, they already did that a few times, and she beat her every time, so I didn't think they would go back to that. EO was an option, but it sounds like EO has one foot out the door as well. We mentioned that last week, but it sounds like it's all but official. I know she tweeted something about rumors and then used the uh, throw-up emoji or whatever, but I I would reckon a guess that EO Shirai probably will not be back in WWE. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about lines separately. I mean, I don't like her. I don't think she's that good. You're not really a big fan of her entering work. I mean, she's definitely not ready to be the main champion. The 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 Hardo NXT crowd loves her. Don't really see the appeal. If she's the one, I guess, but that show would be tough sledding at that point. I mean, I think Mandy Rose, I mean, obviously when she won the belt, no one was really there, but I feel like her work itself has improved a lot. They, her and the, the rest of Toxic Attraction have been the one of the better parts of NXT 2.0 since the revamp. I mean, taking the belt off her, I mean, eventually it's going to happen, but I, I, I figured you put it on someone else that's even, I don't know if I would say solidified, but someone that can carry the division. I mean, if you put it on Perez, I mean, she's good enough in the ring that she could be the champion. Nikita Lyons, I mean, I'm all set with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great to use Mandy to help, you know, push the younger talent and elevate someone else on the way up. Nikita Lyons is just the wrong choice. Even Cora Jade, she's not 100% ready yet, but... Even she would be a better choice as a babyface to take that championship from Mandy Rose than a key to Lions, in my opinion. Uh, from Dynamite last night, we did not have a chance to review Dynamite last week. We recorded on Wednesday. Um, I thought that show was uh, good. 
I enjoyed the show. I'm trying to remember what happened on the show. Um, we said Wardlow would win the TNT Championship. That's exactly what happened. Wardlow defended it this week against Orange Cassidy. I liked the match. I didn't like the fact that he kicked out of the F10. I thought that was completely stupid. I know you hated that as well, I'm sure. But uh, the match itself I liked. Um, Jericho, you know, addressing Eddie Kingston. We're having a barbed wire anywhere match next week. Fighter Fest Week 2 on Dynamite. Ugh, I, I, just, I, I don't know. They just end the thing, but the whole stipulation I think is stupid. But I thought the promo was fine. Uh, John Moxley, uh, Kanasuke Takeshka. I always mispronounce his first name, but Takeshka I think is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, I really enjoyed that. The blood wasn't necessary, but I the match was was quality, though. Um, Luchasaurus with the latest squash over Griff Garrison. Claudio Castagnoli's first singles match in AEW on Dynamite against Jake Hager. I thought was a good match. Serena Deebanajay had a fine match. Uh, we're getting Deeb and Mercedes Martinez next weekend, Death Before Dishonor, for the Ring of Honor Women's World title. And then in the main event, uh, Team Taz and the Bucks losing in a triple threat tag team match to Swerve in Our Glory, or the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. That was quite the surprising finish. I did not see that coming. So uh, it, it's hard to go match by match with Dynamite because I actually enjoy more, a majority of the show. There's really not a lot to say or criticize for me anyway. I know with you, it, we have a difference of opinion, and I get it. Um, so I'm curious what you think of the show, but I think the main talking point of the episode was the tag team titles changing hands at the end. Yeah, I mean, the tag titles, I, I mean, I thought it was a good match. I, I mean, spoiler my glory, I honestly would have put the belts on Hobbs and, and Stark. I completely agree. I completely I think, agree. I think I saw everyone else saying that, too. I mean, if you're going to take the belts off the Bucks, I mean, realistically, I don't really know why they took them off the Bucks anyways. I feel like they're going, if they're going to do this FTR Bucks match, I feel like you'd have the belts on them, but. I guess not, or maybe they can win the belt, or maybe FTR can win them off Swerve and, and Keith. I'm not really sure, but I feel like if you're gonna take the belts off them, it, it should have been for for uh, Hobbs and, and 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 Starks. I mean, I like Lee and Swerve, but they're they're singles guys. Like I don't know, I just I just didn't think that they should be the tag. They have so many tag. They have so many glorified, like legitimate tag teams, and why are you putting on another makeshift team? I just I uh, just. I, I get told how great the tag division is, but they have all these teams they're not doing anything with, and they just put it on a, a, a makeshift tag team. So I thought it was a good match, though, and I guess glad for Star, or Swerve and, and Keith. I mean, I, I think they should be going for like TNT titles and the All-Atlantic Championship and other single titles, but I guess we'll, they'll have their run with the tag belts. We'll see how that goes. Um I mean, the Wardlow, I honestly could not, I, the Wardlow match fucking pissed me off. I mean, he should, I, I know everyone loves Orange, and, you know, he's the he's the guy, and he's funny, and they, they, they did the pocket spot, and he, he put his fucking straps back up. But for how much, for how big they want to pump up Wardlow and goes 20 minutes competitive with the, with the comedy guy, I mean, it did nothing for me. He's fucking bumping around for the guy. Kicked out of his finish. It's just, I mean, you're going to build the guy up. I mean, he realistically should have beat him in seconds. If you're going to build up Wardlow, this big badass, you, you got to you gotta kind of, you got to go all the way here. I mean, he was bumping around. Like I said, once he kicked out of his finish, I, I literally fast-forwarded the end at that point. He had him kicked out of his guy's finish. I liked the He's match, like, oh, but I hated that. I thought that was really oh stupid. Oh, my God. And then the fucking Danhausen shit. Like, come on. I mean... I know you like it, but I'm I'm here for a serious match here. I mean, no, I anyone else, I really want to care, but like they're trying to build up Wardlow. Since they broke him up for MGF, they just like keep doing dumb shit after dumb shit. Like after he beat MGF, they immediately should have had him beat 
Scorpio's guy. Within and then seconds. And the whole stupid Mark Sterling fucking... He beats up 20 security guards, but it takes him 20 minutes to beat pockets. I mean, that's just ass back with booking as it begins with. So I, I didn't like that at all. It just really made me mad. Um, but I, I guess we'll see what happens here with Wardlow. I mean, if he it takes 20 minutes to beat pockets, I'm not quite, quite sure he's going to beat anyone else quicker than that. But uh, uh, the pain, I, well, actually, it's going to be it's Eddie Kingston versus the Pain Maker next week. Oh, um, right, right, right. I forgot. I don't want to make sure you. Uh, Missed that up. Of course. I, mean, I saw barbed wires. Bar, what's a barbed wire? What? Barbed wire anywhere. Barbed wire anywhere, and they have the. Yeah, I don't know if they changed it. The first time I thought they had the jazz guys in a shark tank. No, oh, tank. I forgot to mention that. It's still the case too. Yeah. Dumb. It's I both. Mean, yeah. I'm ready for this to be over with at this point. I just. I like Eddie Kingston, but it seems like everything with Jericho lately. Whoever's with Jericho has just been dragging him down. I mean, Eddie Kingston was so hot coming up. Going into basically like full gear, had the whole like player tribute thing. People are like feeling him. Once they put him with Jericho, it's literally gone hill down downhill since. Um, Demon and Jay was a good match. They finally acknowledged that her, her and Ty finally. It only took like four months, but you know we got there. Um, what else? The Claudio Hager match. I mean, was I thought it was a fine match. I mean, Hager's just been there Hager's Hager yeah Hager's Hager at this point so but I thought it was a fun little match Moxley and, and do we say Takeshita yeah Takeshka yeah Takeshka I mean does Moxley need to get juice in every match I mean fucking Christ I, I wasn't offended I like the match oh, I like the guy every match it, it could be a standard <laughs> match guy gets juice every time like we get it guy You're, you want to be Nick Gage I mean Christ almighty and then the main event was like you said I thought the main event was the best match of the night Title change was, it was like cool title change. But like I said, I I, I was more like good, but I kind of wish it was Hobbs and Starks. It's like they haven't had like any credibility really. They could have got a big win here. I feel like Lee and and Swerve are better on their own. I mean the tag team thing's good if they're not going to do anything with with them. But as the tag champions, when they have like twenty other teams, they could probably put the belts on before them. I don't know. It was like a nice change of pace, and like I said, a lot of people liked it, but I think the wrong team won. Yeah, I agree. So here, I'm of two minds on it, so here's my take on it. I love the match. I thought it was a very good chaotic main event, very entertaining action. I like Lee and Swerve as a tag team. We've talked about that before. I know you're a big Swerve guy. I love Swerve. I think Keith Lee is tremendous as well. They're both great. They work wonderfully as partners. They've had this fun little team going for a few months now. My problem with it, though, is that not only, like you said, that I think they're better off on their own, but we already know where this is going, though. And maybe they changed plans, and maybe it was just a red herring. They've been teasing tension for weeks. So this, to me, just feels like an excuse to extend the story until we get the swerve turning on Keith Lee. That, to me, makes it feel like the tag team titles are a complete and utter fucking afterthought. I mean... I was going to mention that. I, like... I was going to say, weren't they teasing tension? Because they didn't like Swerve throw him out during one of the Battle Royals and something else. Correct. Kind of, like, yeah. Passed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. A few times on Dynamite, they teased tension. It's largely played out on Rampage, but it's been kind of on Dynamite. Um, yeah. Keith Lee wasn't really like Swerve was pretending everything was okay, but Keith Lee wasn't. It was a nice little story. And I'm thinking, okay, let's just get to the split. I like Swerve a lot. I feel like he would be better off as a heel. Um, I think he showed that in NXT. He's a great babyface, but I just feel like he's more interesting as a heel. 
So then they win the tag team titles, and I'm thinking, all right, but why though? Like, and it's a nice moment. Maybe we come to find out that it was a, uh, you know, an impromptu decision because I know Keith Lee had said either earlier on in the day or he cut a promo after the show. He's having some tough times right now with like his family or friends and either someone passed away or they're sick or whatever. So maybe they just did it as like a nice nod to him. Like, all right, here you go, which would be fine. Um, I I don't know, man. I'm happy for them because at least they have gold. It's better than nothing. It's not like they're not even on the show. Like, listen, it could be far worse. I get that. But I just feel like to me, and you can disagree if you want to, I feel like it's just a repeat on it. Honestly, even down to the booking of the storyline. Two people who tease tension beforehand, become a team, they get back on the same page, they're champions for a while, and then they tease tension coming out of the split, coming out of when they lose the titles. To me, it feels like a re- like a rinse, wash, repeat type thing of Hangman and Omega from a couple of years ago. This feels like the exact same story. And I like that story, but it went on for almost way too long initially. Like They were champions for like eight months. And it didn't exactly help the division because all the credible teams lost the fucking tag team champions that aren't even a real team. Like, I think Swerve and Lee, like I said, are a very good team, but they're not, like, a tag team, dude. And it's fine to put titles on a tag team that's entertaining. I mean, technically, even Starks and Hobbs aren't, like, a team team, but they've been more of a team for longer than fucking Lee and um, Swerve have been. And I don't know. They've been part of Team Taz, like, since, like, well, like... Almost two years. Yeah, I was going to say, they've been together for a while. They've been... Oh, my God. It just... I just... I don't know, man. I'm happy, and I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on this. I just... I don't really understand it and I we, I even said I was talking to someone yesterday like I feel like they don't do a lot of shocking title changes because you can kind of see where they're going with everything Bucks and FTR was predictable but I feel like that was the way to go because Bucks they're one and one with FTR those first two matches were phenomenal that one in Boston coming out of Mania weekend and back in April was incredible and maybe they still do that match but why would they do the match if the Bucks aren't the tag team champions they're going to go for the Ring of Honor tag team titles again who cares I, I feel like FTR to me, you go with the guy that's best, or go with the guys that are best for that spot, the best in that division. Unless there's a story you're telling there long term, you put the titles on that tag team or that guy or that girl. And like with Thunder Rosa, she was the best for a very long time. They were telling a story with her, they put the belt on her. Where the fuck are we going with FTR here? I mean, there's no obvious spot. Maybe there's something going on that we're not seeing. They're the Ring of Honor tag team champions. Cool. They should be the AEW tag team champions. They're not only the best tag team champion in this company, they're one of the best tag teams, if not the best tag team in the fucking world, dude, at this point. And I just don't understand why we're continuing to sleep on a team that's as good as they are when we already had a team in Santana Ortiz that should have been champions from day one, and they lost time and time again. They never won the tag team titles. Santana's out for six months. They're probably gone. They're not even on good terms anymore, reportedly. They probably will never hold the tag team titles. And that's because Hangman and Page were champions. And all these other teams that should have been champions a long time before they actually were. We said it with Jurassic Express. Why were they champions a year after they were very popular? Same with the Lucha Bros. The Bucks, I know they're not your favorite team and they are what they are. But it, they are one of the best tag teams in that division. Why the fuck would you take the belts off of them in three weeks? Were the Hardys going to win the belts for three weeks? Like, I just feel like they're booking on the fly at this point. With it, t- I'm sorry for the ramp, but it just bothers me because it just doesn't make any sense. No, I love it. I need more of this. I need more <laughs> of this. Yes, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, everything you said there is something I've been thinking about. I think, especially like you said, the fact that Santana teased, like I said, they just teased tension that they're not on good terms, and I think Conan kind of. I yes, Conan's I saw that. Yeah. Well, so I mean, he's more plugged in than most people. Like he knows them personally. So, I mean, the fact that they never won the belts 
is is mind blowing. Um, Lucha Brothers, they won it when they. I mean, they won it was nice, but they won it when they weren't as popular. Same with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I mean, like you said, if the Hardy Boys won it, is this the direction they're going in? I, I don't think so. Which I like. Well, that just seemed completely random. So. I don't know. I don't know if it were, like you said, maybe I saw the thing with Keith Lee. I, if they're changing it for that, I mean, it's a good memento. But if it's not really, like, if that's going to, like, not put the, I'm not saying, like, put the the, the division in jeopardy. But, I mean, just to give him a title shot. Like, what, are they going to hold the belts for a couple of weeks and then they're going to do the, the break with him and Swerve? I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like realistically where it should have been going was Bucks and Bucks and FTR, and then you have FTR win and win the all. Have they have all the belts at that point? I mean, isn't that where it should have gone? I mean, that's where I felt it was going. Exactly, and especially at this point, you know what's even worse though? We were at double or nothing two months ago. You know who was in that match with the tag team titles? Keith Lee and Swerve. Why the fuck wouldn't you just put the belts on him at that point? Why the fuck do they have to win another triple threat tag team match with the Bucks? And why would you even bother to put the belts in the Bucks when they did? Because Tony Khan loves the idea of doing a triple threat tag team ladder match with the Hardys at this point, even though they're like 60 years old. Listen, I love the Hardys. Jeff should have never been in that match. With the shape that he was in even before the whole DUI thing, that was incredibly fucking dumb. And as a fan, I was excited for it. I said as much here on the show. But knowing what we do now and what Tony Khan probably even knew more than we did, that was pretty fucking dumb to even advertise that in the first place. Knowing what we do now, I think it's pretty stupid that they didn't put the belts on Keith Lee and Swerve two months ago, so they could have gotten to the point in July, or in August or whatever, where they could take the belts, because FTR at this point, let's face it, they're not taking the belts off of FTR, they're not putting the belts on FTR anytime soon. They're just not, they're not going to have a quick transitional reign for one team with the Bucks, and then do another quick transitional reign for Hobbs and Starks. This isn't WWE, that's not going to happen, so... With that being said, they like to do their eight-month-long reigns. All right, whatever. But the problem for me is that at this point, it's not about the tag team division. You said it yourself earlier. For a company that loves to boast about, and I've even said it myself, AEW is the best tag team division of any company in the world, including WWE between all the brands. By far the best tag team division in the world. When will it ever be about the tag team division, though? Like, FTR will tweet the kind of tongue-in-cheek things, like when they were pissed that... These teams were getting a title shot for literally no fucking reason. I mean, why? I mean, I like Starks and Hobbs, but why were these teams back in the title picture? They already got a title shot, a double or nothing. They lost. They're losers. Move on. FTR have not gotten a title shot yet. Why, why not? They've been winning all year. That doesn't make any sense at all. But it's not about the tag team titles. It's about Keith Lee and Swerve teasing tension. I think that's a nice story, but I don't think it should come at the expense of the tag team division where they have all these teams with their fucking thumbs up their asses doing nothing. I mean, the best friends doing nothing. You can go down the list. Lucha Bros, what are, what are they even doing at this point? Oh my God, don't even get me started in the House of Black. What the fuck are they doing? You know what I mean? They have all these great tag teams. Oh my God, Blackpool Combat Club. Put the belts on them. I mean, I like Lee and Swerve, but I can give you probably three or four more choices I would have put the belts on before them. I would have kept the belts on the Bucks before I would have put the belts on them. I just feel like they were the wrong choice. And even more than that, I mean, again, I apologize for the passionate rant here, but Stocks and Hobbs, the fuck are we doing here with these guys? They've been here since almost day one. Maybe not day one. They debuted in 2020. It's been two years. Starks has been champion now for a year with the most pointless title in all of wrestling beyond the 24-7 championship. Ditch that shit. 
They're not even, what is this Team Taz stuff? We never really hear from Taz. They're not with Hook. They're just a tag team. And they work amazingly well together. They're both great. Hobbs is very good. Starks is very good. And I would say, use this as an excuse to push them on their own. But they're not going to is the problem. They're not fucking going to. They're off. They're better off as a tag team because they've been a tag team anyway for a year and a half. Why not put the belts on them instead of the two ex-WWE guys that got here three months ago and they're not even a real team? That, to me, is a big fuck you to that division. I also just don't understand how they can keep saying the rankings matter when FTR is rated number one and they haven't got a te- they haven't got a they only like you said they do the tongue in cheek stuff on Twitter which I get but like you keep saying the rankings matter the rankings matter I mean FTR has been number one for a while now and mm-hmm. they haven't even got a title match yet so like where does that go and like you said Hobbs and Starks and uh, Swerve and Keely both they lost it's not like they got cheated out like they lost fair and square at double or nothing. They didn't do really anything to get another title match, and then they won the belts. And like I said, it would just use to then them finally do the split. I mean, it's just stupid. Is it because Stocks and Har- uh, you know Ricky Starks and, and Powerhouse Hobbs and who was the other team? Um, obviously, there's, there's the Lee and Swerve they won the titles. How could I forget? Is it because they rack up more wins on on dark and elevation? I mean, FTR, I'm sorry, they're not pulling jobber duty on the two YouTube shows that no one gives a fuck about. They don't have as many wins as these other teams because they're not on those shows. They're barely in action on the fucking main shows. I'm sorry, they actually win when it matters on TV. I mean, I can't remember the last 2-on-2 tag team match, first of all, that they had, second of all, that they lost. And that's not their fault. That's the company's fault for not putting them in a position where they're prominently featured on the show. I mean, it's nice they're doing all these other stories with the acclaimed and gun club. I think that's cute and all. But, like, again, dude, with the FTR shit, I mean, they're the best tag team in the world. They're doing this storyline right now where they're going after all the gold. If we get them and Lee and Swerve it all out, I highly doubt they give Lee and Swerve a two-month run. And then you have FTR lose to a tag team that's not really a tag team that's going to split up after they drop the tag team titles anyway. I mean, it just really, again, it bothers me more than it should. It just doesn't make much sense because to me, it's not about the tag team division at this point. And when Jurassic Express was a team, or they were champions rather, they were a genuine team, but did anyone really care? I mean, they were barely on Dynamite and they didn't really have a lot of great matches. I would have put the belts on Red Dragon before these guys, but they're hurt right now. So I don't know, for a division that's all about these great tag teams, to put the belts on a great tag team, don't get me wrong, but a team that's not really a team, I just feel like is counterproductive to this division. Well, what would you say if they put the belts on FTR at all out, and then they would just do the that would that be the break like start the breakup between Swerve and Keith Lee? I think that'd be great, but like I said, I just don't see them doing that. Is my problem? I mean, again, maybe I'm just prematurely getting upset here that I'm just they're not going to do it, and I'm assuming they won't. I just don't think they will because I, I feel like I don't know. I I just feel like if they were going to do that. First of all, it should be a good match. But the match to do at that show is FTR in the in the Bucks. The FTR was their name was getting chanted in that segment last week. People wanted to see FTR challenge for the tag team titles. I'm sorry, not these two makeshift tag teams. I like Starks and Hobbs. They probably should have won here. I would have been more happy. I would have been happy with them winning the tag team titles than than Lee and Swerve. Again, unless that was a feel good moment or whatever. And that's why they changed plans. That's okay, I guess, but we don't know because they don't really come out with this stuff, so we don't really know. I'm just going off of what I see. Um, I think to answer your question, I'd be okay. I I would actually prefer that. I honestly don't see that happening, and I feel like instead we're gonna get Lee and Swerve versus the Bucks again, or some other random tag team for that show. And FTR may not even be on the card like they weren't for Double or Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be on the show, but I think we'll get like them versus someone for the Ring of Honor titles that no one 
Maybe that's the thing. Like, I feel like at this point, they're kind of just positioning them as the top tag team in Ring of Honor. They might be building them towards them in the box like next year. But I just feel like the the issue is that Tony Khan waits so long for some of this stuff that it gets to a point where it's like the bar, like Eddie Kingston and Jericho. I actually really like the Revolution match. To blow it off four months later at a point where I'm just so sick of this goddamn storyline to a point where I don't care. Um, that's the issue. Like, he dragged shit on for almost way too long to the point now where I just want it to be over. I don't care who wins. I just want it to end. So, I, I don't know. I just feel like Bucks and FTR, the time to do it would have been all out. You can wait, I guess. Um, I'm sure he has a plan here. I just don't know if... It, just because it's long-term booking doesn't make it good booking. Can we erase that notion right now, too? Like, this preconceived notion, oh, just because it's booked five years in advance, it's a good idea. Well, not necessarily. If FTR is the hot team, you go with the hot team. I'm sorry that it doesn't work out your E-Fed way where you put the belts on them a year and a half from now. Plans change, pal. FTR is hot. You put the fucking belts on them. To me, that's how it works, and that's what they should have done. But, I mean, they still could do that. I mean... I I mean, like you said, if it's like a feel good moment, like there's nothing. I mean, I think it would be fucking stupid. And if you're gonna put the belts on this, and then put them on FTR, I think that'd be really dumb. But I mean, I think I don't think that's like out of the question. I don't think that's like totally out of the question. I just think it would be a terrible move both ways. I mean, it's a lose lose. I think. Yeah, because you put the belts on them just to put them on the. To tickle them, I guess, to make them happy, just to put the belts on the on FTR. Then what's the point at that point? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I think looking back, like I went, oh my, such great long story ter- storytelling with with uh, even Hangman. I love Hangman, but looking back at it now, they they should have put the belt on uh, on Punk or Brian before they put on Hangman. I know they had the story; it was written down, and when Tony started the company three years ago, but at the time, Brian and Punk were way hotter and. Hangman's reign—it was fine for what it was. The guy's barely on the fucking show now. Yeah, Hangman was in a backstage segment last night with the Dark Order, and they're facing House of Black on Friday. I mean, really? I—I I just don't. Why? Why is he with Silver and Reynolds? Is he taking Alan Angel's spot? Like, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. It's—they have like—it's like the champion. They have like championship itis in that company. I don't get it. It's like you win the belt, you're on TV for a year, and then you go to doing absolutely nothing. Like, where's Britt Baker been? Did she, like, get hurt, or did she, like, yell at Tony? Like, I haven't seen her on TV in a while. Sheeta was gone for a while after she won the belt. She's not on the show anymore. Freaking name the list of tag team champions. Like, SCU broke up, like, right after they won the tag belts. They haven't seen the Lucha Brothers. Jungle Boy's dead. Um, I mean, we can keep going. I mean, it's just, where's Miro? I haven't seen Miro in forever. I mean, they brought him back just to lose. Uh, Pack won the belt. Haven't seen him on t- TV since then. Like, what the hell's going on? I don't know. I just feel like they, I don't know the 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 way they feature certain people. People, the amount of times that they do, and they overexpose certain people, and we never really see certain people. It's at a point where the roster is too big that they don't know what to do with a lot of the people that they have. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, I enjoy the shows. I thought Dynamite was a good show, but there's there's some people. Pretty much all the people that you mentioned. It just, I don't know. And then we we still have the Ring of Honor issue. Like, is there going to be a show? There's a pay-per-view next weekend. Cool. All right. What after that, though? Like, why should I give a fuck? Why should I care about Lee Moriarty versus Jonathan Gresham as a storyline, as a feud? Because he turned on him a week ago? Okay. I mean, what else? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that's the issue. Like, they don't have enough time on TV. They don't need more time. They just need a better idea of how to accurately use everyone on their roster. And I just don't Where's know if they... Lance Archer, ben? 
I, I don't even know if he's under a full-time contract anymore. He's in the G1 in New Japan, so I, I don't know if he'll be back anytime soon. <laughs> he he quickly fell off. He went from someone that was like, oh, one of these cool new big free agent signings to someone that no one could give two shits about. I don't know. I, I just, like you said, I think at this point they really do, like, they do definitely do have an overbloated roster. I don't think anyone would be against that. Like, we haven't seen Andrade. Like, I mean, I saw Roosh, was, what was that, last week Dynamite? But, like, Andrade, what's he just going to be a, a manager now? Like, they just have weight. They just realistically now looking at it, anyone can look at it. They just have way too many people. And getting rid of these guys that, I mean, they, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad they got rid of, like, the Janellas and, and Stun and some of these Dark Order guys that just, like, realistically weren't going to be anywhere anyway. But, I mean, when they brought in all these ex-WWE guys, oh, oh, what a great signing, what a great signing. And now we're seeing that. Yeah, they might be great signings, but now none of them are on TV because there's literally nowhere to put them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of great signings. I'm glad Claudio's on the show for now, and I hope they continue to use him. And listen, I'm even, I'm not even, I'm just more upset with the tag team thing. It's not a Keith Lee Swerve thing. I'm sure I would be ranting that they weren't doing anything with Keith Lee and Swerve. I just feel like there's other better things you could be doing with them than what they're doing right now in the tag team division because they're not a real tag team. And they're a tag team for a little bit, not for the long term. And I don't think they should be a tag team in the long term because they should be on their own. So, I don't know. I, I hope that issue improves. I don't know if it will. Um, it just it's bothersome for now. And I, listen, I'm taking one thing and ranting about it because there really isn't a lot else for me to complain about about the product. I enjoy AEW a lot, a lot more weekly than I do Raw and SmackDown. That's for fucking sure. But I don't know. I just feel like with some of the stuff, they could do a lot better than they do. Um, it's just some of the stuff really. It just I don't know. Especially since a lot of people just don't seem to care. But if this was WWE, oh, it's another makeshift tag team. Blah blah blah. Like, I know Arky Bro is a makeshift tag team, but that made sense to be as a tag team for a year. Lee and Swerve should not be in a tag team for a year. Keith, I don't know, man. Keith Lee, he's, he's not getting any younger, and neither is, is Swerve. Like, use them while they're still here doing cool stuff and they have momentum. I just feel like doing the tag team thing in in, in short is just not great long-term. I just feel like long-term booking sometimes is not always smart booking when the storylines go on for way longer than they should. That's my point. Yeah, but I don't think this was a long-term thing. Like I said, I feel like this. I hope more, not. I don't think it was. I think it was more of a heat of the moment. Like I said, because if the if the reports are true and the Hardys were going to win the belts, I don't think they would be holding them for as little as as the Bucks did. So true. And I mean, theoretically, yeah, I don't know. I I just feel like at that, like I said, if they were going to take the belts at the Bucks, but like I said, then the Hardys were still around. I don't know. I feel like the whole Hardy thing might have messed everything up, but. I mean, theoretically, if you're going to take them off Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, you should have just done it at the pay-per-view. But then, like I said, they were going to put them on the Hardys, which then all that shit hit the fan. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, we'll see. I mean, maybe at some point we'll find out, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where they go with it from here. I hope you're right, and I hope it is short-term, and they do take the belts off of these guys by September, specifically to FTR. Let's stop playing patty cake here let's get the belts on the best tag team in the company while they're still as popular as they are and it's not at a point where they're barely on tv and they put the belts on them when people don't care a la the lucha bros and jurassic express so well we'll see time will tell but after that very long rant there mr marcel i'll let you go uh it's been a great time chatting with you here today per usual uh next week is nothing again uh the, the ring of honor death before dishonor show is next weekend so we'll probably talk quickly about that uh, just to preview that. But SummerSlam is not for another two weeks. And I'm still not sure if, depending on timing-wise and scheduling-wise with you and whatnot, we'll see. 
I don't know if I want to talk to you about SummerSlam beforehand or if I just wait to see you in, on Thursday or Friday and I can just record it with you. And I think it'd be cool if we did it in person. So we'll see. But uh, I look forward to that in two weeks. It's it's crazy to think it's coming up as quickly as it is. Seriously, the way, I feel like the weeks are going to fly by, but yeah, I can't wait. It already has flying, but we booked our trip almost two weeks ago and it's already flying by. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully just enjoying the time while we're there and uh should be a great time. But until then, Mr. Marceau, have an awesome one. I look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a great weekend, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Later.